welcome to the Investment Cuddle. I'm Gary. On today's podcast, we're going to do our final episode on renewable energy. And over the last few episodes, we've been looking at really what renewable energy is, what options for investing in it if you've got, whether that's through unit trusts, OICs, ETFs, investment trusts, or individual companies. But today, I want to take a slightly different approach here is actually looking at the more traditional oil companies and energy companies and say, what are they doing in renewable energy? And is it just easier to buy those to get into the renewable sector? Because a lot of the thinking there is that these guys have scale, they make money on what they already do there's an opportunity there for them to diversify and transition into the renewable energy space so when we talk about transition we're really talking about brown companies if you go and look at esg so environmental social and governance you'd be looking at from an environmental point of view brown companies transitioning to less brown and then ideally green going forward. Oil and gas companies are increasingly investing in renewable energy sources such as wind, solar, hydroelectric power, fuel cells, energy storage, solar thermal, geothermal energy systems, nuclear, which we'll tag in there for now, and hydrogen. So all of the sorts of opportunities we've talked through in this series on renewable energy, these companies are looking at. And according to a recent CNBC article, several European and US oil majors are making major investments in renewable energy. And again, you've got companies like BP and Royal Dutch Shell, or Shell as it's now called. All the big oil and gas companies have at least a few renewable projects, whether they've developed them on their own or signed what is known as what is or signed what is known as power purchase agreements with project developers. So that's them buying into different types of technology. In addition to the solar projects, oil and gas companies seem particularly well suited to capitalise on technologies such as geothermal, offshore wind, hydrogen, and carbon capture. And it was interesting the other day, I was listening to a company that will remain nameless, but they're in the production of material in the infrastructure arena and they were talking hydrogen production and carbon capture and when you look at that you're thinking well hang on these guys are a infrastructure um, material provider in the in the most part looking at moving into the energy sector you could argue because they were looking to do some of this stuff themselves and to partner with people so some of the green transition is going to bring opportunities where businesses shift into certain areas that they have to do because of the green transition, but maybe it's not that obvious that they were going to do that in the first place. So renewables dominate investment and new power generation currently. And when you consider how much funding is going into this, we are talking hundreds of billions of US dollars. And that's on all new generation capacity. That's without considering what's added into that in terms of the grid and storage projects. When you look at solar PV, 
that's making up about half of the new investment in renewable power, with spending divided equally between utility scale projects and distributed solar projects or solar systems. The focus for wind has shifted in the last few years, whereas there was a record year for onshore in the sort of 2020 arena. As we've moved into the last few years, we're now looking at a record for offshore. But all of this investment in renewables is not new by these organisations. The shift of oil and gas companies into the power industry has, in fact, whether you look at private oil companies or state-owned oil companies, started decades ago. Even in the early 80s, some of the major companies invested in renewable technology. This was solar-related, as well as some wind development as well. In the past decade, as we've said, there's billions of dollars being invested in a variety of these renewable generation projects looking at distributed generation energy services and electric vehicle charging. And some of the oil majors are now also looking at moving into the biogas arena. And as we know, that's another debatable point about where the source uh, sources of those come from. But that's something else they're looking at as well, if you're looking at investing in these companies. And these companies are now looking at their net zero targets as well. So many of these state-owned oil companies have set targets for net zero by 2050. And as we've said, this is also now these guys are looking at investing billions over the next few years to build up the renewable businesses. With one particular company looking at a $500 million investment in energy efficiency and renewable energy solutions. And they know they've got to do this stuff. When you look historically at how these investments have gone in the renewable area by these major oil and gas companies, the results have been mixed. And it's interesting to think about the principle that these companies, in terms of share price, their companies have not benefited from any material uplift you would look to see in company valuation. What you need to be looking at is a material upside probably kicking in when their portfolios for renewable energy are in the 40% region. A lot of the oil and gas majors now are typically well below that in the mid-20s. 20% of their investment is in new energy or renewable technology. So there's still a way to go before we see any marked change in their performance in the stock market based on how successful they've been with renewable energy. And I think that's going to be a really interesting period then to turn around and say, you know, do you then, you know, it's the typical six pointer, as much as one drops, the other one is increasing. So therefore you're looking for those companies and any, any significant shift up in price and an upward trending price might suggest that these guys are heading in the right direction in terms of their portfolio balance between what we said earlier is brown technology and green technology. Actually, there was, while we're on the subject, there was a good podcast the other day from 
Freakonomics, and they were very much talking about green and brown businesses. So we like Freakonomics because they just tackle all sorts of interesting stuff from an economist perspective. So episode 546, are ESG investors actually helping the environment? Really good. That was just launched in in mid-June. But what we're saying is that that episode, they did talk about the benefits of people investing in brown companies because you're actually then driving them to go green, whereas if you penalise them, it's been shown that you will actually encourage them to do more brown business than green. And I should get away from my colours here, really, shouldn't I? But I think you know, based on that subject, you're looking at it and saying, well, many of these major oil and gas companies could be well positioned to become leaders in this energy transition. And I think at the moment you could look at them and go, well, are they, do they mean it? And are they serious? Or is it a, well, we need to be seen to be doing the right thing. You can all have your own opinions on that. But the reasons why they may be well positioned, and this is why there's a potential investment case here, is this is because they've got scale and they've got global scale in some of these companies. And they have a risk appetite from their investors to move this way and they've got a big balance sheet and cash and cash is king you can spend that money and you can make these things happen you can invest in companies like the that they've already been doing and again they've got the customer base it was talked about i think on the i'm gonna plug another podcast here but kpp financial so uh investor podcast they were talking a while ago about the cannabis companies in the US predominantly and saying, well, actually, would you be better off buying tobacco companies because they have distribution? They have all of that bit ready and done rather than buying the guys that are growing it who will need routes to market and ways of managing the supply chain. The tobacco companies have already got that done. They have scale. They have cash. So I thought that was an interesting position. I'm not quite sure that's played out yet. But again, because of the medical approvals and things like that with the cannabis market, that's going to take some time to play out. So if you're patient, have a look at that one. It's got nothing to do with renewable energy necessarily, but it's it's a similar principle, is that you wouldn't necessarily want to go and buy tobacco companies as much as you wouldn't want to necessarily go and buy big oil companies for all the reasons we've talked about with the renewable space. But there is an investment case, potentially. And that's why we thought we'd cover it today. So these guys have all also got long-standing relationships with customers and stakeholders across the energy markets. They have also got experience in offshore projects, and they also know how to move fuel So there's a transportation element there as well. So there's a number of things there that mean that these oil and gas companies could well be positioned nicely for this energy transition. And a lot of these smaller companies that are trying to do big things have got the opportunity to partner here. And again, 
that's an opinion there in terms of make your own decision and whether you think that's something you'd be interested in from an ESG perspective. So when we look at the companies, what we thought we'd do is look at some of the oil majors, but also look at some of the investment companies as well and see if there's a split there. So as you all know by now, we like investment trusts on the investment cuddle. And so we'll have a look at a couple of those and also some individual companies. So the first one we're going to start with is Harmony Energy Income Trust, PLC. So I'm kind of breaking my own rules here. This isn't really a large oil and gas company, but this is a trust that might be of interest. The capacity and technology related to this fits with previous episodes, but I came across this, thought it was worth just a quick look. So that's Harmony Energy Income Trust. The ticker on that is H-E-I-T. So it's a £250 million market cap fund, pays about a 1.8% dividend. Well, the discount on that at the moment is 7.5%, so obviously higher than the value of the assets are viewed as higher than the actual market capitalization of the business at the moment. It's not showing any gearing on this. And again, this is a closed-ended fund, an investment trust. The dividend cover which you know we like dividends. So the dividend cover on this one is a little low. It's saying it's only a fraction of a year at the moment. So that's, yeah, a little low from my perspective. But they do suggest that they're paying this dividend certainly twice a year by the looks of it. But I guess we're one of these specialist trusts. You need to be a bit careful on just the charges on these kind of things so when we look at what they actually do harmony energy income trust doesn't tell you a whole lot but it invests in utility scale battery energy storage projects in the uk so we didn't cover this in the in the last episode where we were looking at more general technologies but i thought it was worth just starting with this one because i quite like the look at this one that's not investment advice as you know what I like is kind of irrelevant and is by no means a recommendation for anything. So they're basically focusing on longer duration, two-hour battery energy storage systems, or BESS, and that's based in the UK. So they're totaling about 500 megawatts in the portfolio at the moment, so that's yielding about 1,000 megawatt hours. So as we said, £250 million pound market capitalisation their fact sheet suggesting they would like to pay eight pence per share, which would be much nearer to six to eight percent based on the share price rather than or two pence per share that they paid last year. So we like the eight pence, but it doesn't look like they're paying that. So aspirationally, it looks like it's going to be a higher yielding fund in the future, you would hope, but they're not there yet. So on dividends, jam tomorrow does not pay the bills. So in terms of these battery storage units, they've got them, if you know the UK at all, they've got them in the counties of Yorkshire, Kent, Surrey, Buckinghamshire, County Durham, and also up in the Kingdom of Fife in Scotland. So I think for me, that's an opportunity which has got absolutely nothing to do with the big oil companies directly, except for the fact those are the things that they are looking to invest in. And I think if they continue to generate the revenues they are and the cash flows, these are the kind of assets they will be looking 
to add to their portfolios. It's the only way they decarbonize or turn their brown businesses into less brown or greener businesses in the future. And as, as we said, it's a debatable point as whether that happens. But so I think this fund really fits probably within the fuel cell et al episode or in the previous episode. But these are the kind of diversifications that I think the big oil companies will be looking at. And as we try and do with each one of these, just for fun, we look at where the share price has been. So I've kind of alluded to that earlier on already with this one. But Harmony Energy Income Trust down almost 11%. So yeah, like we've talked about with a few others, there's an opportunity there. And the lower that share price goes, the higher the yield gets and the bigger the discount gets. So as they get essentially cheaper, perhaps somebody would show an interest in what they're up to. So now I've broken my own rules for what trusts we've been looking at. We'll go something that's a little bit of a better balance in terms of green and brown. So that is BlackRock Energy and Resources Income Trust, PLC. The ticker on that is Berry, B-E-R-I. So BlackRock Energy and Resources Income Trust, PLC, is a £150 million business domiciled in the in the UK, pays a 3.8% dividend, and is currently on just over 10% discount. So that's a reasonable discount for this fund, but I don't think it's that unusual. has done very well over the last few years in terms of increase in price. 4% gearing with this, and again, this is a closed-ended investment company, it's an investment trust. And when we look at that dividend, that is paid quarterly. They've got plenty of dividend cover by the looks of it. Last year paid 4.4p based on a well based on a £1.30 share price. So how does this investment trust help us with looking at traditional companies and the transition? Well, this is quite an in- interesting trust because they are involved with mining, traditional energy, and the energy transition, as they call it. So mining, again, may not interest you very much, but if you look at this, they're involved with the mining mining companies that look at copper, aluminium, steel, nickel, gold, uranium, platinum group metals, and tin. And in terms of energy transition, a lot of those metals or those commodities are those that are going to be needed in the energy transition so that makes up about 40 to 45 percent of the total assets of this investment trust so if you're not interested in mining you can stop listening to this bit now but if you are that's a good way of getting into this there is black world mining which is very much more mining related but the traditional element here is they're looking at integration, distribution, refining, and a few other a few other areas around the traditional energy area. And in the energy transition, they're looking at electrification, transport, and renewables. So that doesn't mean an awful lot. It, we just talked about commodities and bits around the transition and traditional energy. But if you look at the top 10 of companies that they own and again we said there's mining in here so bear with bear with us on that one 
but there is Glencore at the top of the list. ExxonMobil, BHP, obviously a miner in there. Shell, so that's a traditional, what class is a traditional oil company. BP's in there as well. Next Era Energy, and based in the US. And last but by no means least on the list is Canadian Natural Resources. That is not a mining company. That is a oil and gas company there. So you've got Exxon at about 5%. That comes down to Shell at just under 4 BP's just over 3 And CNQ, the ticker for Canadian Natural Resources, is at 3%. So for me, I if I wanted to get involved with traditional oil and gas companies, they cover quite a few there. And again, that's only the top 10, but gives you the opportunity to be owning those and looking at transitions. So globally, they've got, based on those companies and others that they're involved with, about 15% coverage of their total assets in the US. And then Latin America is eight and a half, Canada about eight, Germany four, Australia 2.6 little bit in Ireland, Denmark, France. So globally, it's a good mix. And again, if you just go back to the splits, we said about mining's about 40, 40 40, 44, 45%. Traditional energy is thir- just over 30. And energy transition, about 25, let's be generous, call it 26%. Well, hopefully that adds up to 100. And <laughs> their numbers, I'll say. Um, but all joking aside, you're looking at that and saying, well, what did we say earlier on? Most of the big oil companies are at less than that 40% point of renewable assets, which then should show some impact on the overall valuation. This is an investment trust, so it's a different animal, but it's heading towards 30%. I think the last time I heard these guys talk about what they're up to, they want to very much continue that transition. So that wants to be up near the 30% against traditional energy. Don't forget there's a, there's a large bit of mining going on there as well. But if you look at the difference of traditional energy is 30, just over 30%, and the energy transition is just under 30, that shift, if they continue that way, will not be long before that goes in the other direction. And you end up with less traditional energy and more energy transition. So from that perspective, I think Berry is an interesting prospect as an investment trust. Pays a reasonable dividend, pays a lot, paid a lot more dividend a few years ago, but the share price has gone up quite a bit. And I think it's a good play if you're not sure which oil company, energy transition company, or in fact, renewable business you want to get involved with, you'll be paying for active management there and they're doing that for you. So don't want to risk that sounding like a sales pitch, but it's a good, I'm not sure what exactly to buy in terms of single shares if if you're in that position. So that was BlackRock Energy Resources Income Trust. Unlike the others, we've been watching this since pretty much the beginning of the year. And their share price has certainly peaked out in January, February time and has dropped since then. So at the moment, from the beginning of the year, not including that rise, it's dropped 
about 10 or 11%. So again, if you, for me anyway, if you could get this investment trust paying slightly more than 4%, so that means that value has got to come down a little bit more than it is today. But if you saw that and you are happy to buy on dip, assuming that's that's the dip and it's going to recover, the, the major downside of Berry for me is historically they have not raised their dividend. And I don't like that. But again, that's a personal preference. They are actively managing this and you pay for the privilege because the the um, charges are reasonably high. But you look at this and say, well, actually, they paid, as we said, 4.4 pence per share last year, 4.1 P the year before, and then 4 P and then 4P, and then 4P dating back to 2018. So I guess that's what I'm saying in terms of dividend rise, but obviously energy was a little bit in the doldrums. It's doing a lot better. Now it's it's less cheap. And as part of that energy transition, they have shown in the last couple of years that they've put the dividend up. So long may that continue for Barry. So, all right, let's look at individual companies now. And we'll start with... British Petroleum, or BP PLC, ticker for that is BP. This is huge. It's an £80 billion business. It's got, no, it pays at the moment about 4.3% dividend. And so in 2022, revenue was, this is now all priced in dollars, Two. 141 billion dollars so let's just bear that in mind we have an 80 billion pound company so 100 million dollars 241 million in revenue profit before tax was 15.4 billion dollars huge results in 2022 and has obviously created headlines in various places they paid last year a total dividend of 24 cents or 0.24 if you like it that way it's about a four percent dividend last year saying the dividend cover for 2022 is low i can't believe that's going to be the case for 2023 based on the revenue numbers they brought in last year and in 2021 they had plenty of dividend cover and paid about 22 cents so their dividend has varied quite a bit, and we don't like that so much. But it is quarterly, um, so if you like regular payments, that's a positive. So the charges on this will be lower because it's a single company. So what do we know about BP? Well, you can obviously read the headlines, but they're basically saying as part of their fourth quarter and full year results for 2022, they have delivered $4 billion in investment in biogas. They've also increased the rate of rollout worldwide for electric vehicle charging points. And they're obviously bringing on new supplies of oil and gas. So they are saying their strategy is to transform into an integrated energy company. So they're obviously heavily involved with hydrocarbons, which is oil as we know, but their network of EV charging points, for those who are interested in charging points, 
They've got over 22,000 EV charging points, which is three times more than they had in 2019. And they've obviously then been looking at expanding partnerships in Europe, China and the US. Also focused on hydrogen and renewable power. And as we said about the bioenergy space or the biogas, they've acquired a leading US biogas company as part of their increasing portfolio in that space. So that's BP. In terms of share price, to be honest, in the last year, well, certainly since January, it hasn't really gone very far. It went up a couple of times. It, it certainly increased in value a few times, but has lost all of those gains recently. So capital-wise, this is a big, a big company, and if it does go up, it will probably be driven by the price of oil. And as we know, the price of oil at the moment has been dropping. So not a major surprise there. But if you want to drive the energy transition with companies that are brown and looking to go green, BP could be one of those. But next on our list, in terms of these large oil companies, is Shell. Shell PLC. The ticker on that is S-H-E-L. So Shell PLC is also quite a large business. Almost £160 billion market capitalization Pays a dividend of about 3.6% as we are today. So let's see how they did in 2022. £80 billion market capitalization. This is obviously almost twice the size. So revenue last year was $381 billion. And the profit before tax, $64.8 billion. Difficult numbers to get your head around, I think. In terms of just thinking, how do you manage companies of that size? So a big number, they generally tend to pay their dividend quarterly as well. Last year, they paid just over a dollar a share. That was an increase on 2021 and 2020, but not an increase over the year before that. Because anybody remembers, 2019, they paid almost $2.00. They dropped their dividend, I think, the first time since the Second World War. The dividend cover is reasonable, certainly uh, several times what would be required for a single year's payout. And again, as we said, single company, so the the fee on this is also going to be much lower than we'd see on an investment trust. So why invest in Shell? Well, the Shell CEO says that their core purpose is to provide their customers with energy while helping them to decarbonize. So they're saying it's a great company and then trying to ensure it's a great company to invest in as well. So I think, you know, when you look at the share price at the moment, what's that? It's up at, up at sort of £23 a share. During the pandemic, it was down as low as £8.50, and obviously things could go lower, but you were looking at that thinking, honestly, £8 a share for Shell. You know, the size of the business they are, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, it's rebounded quite significantly over that period of time. So if you had taken a bit of a punt on Shell at the end of 2020, you would be sitting quite pretty, albeit if you bought it before the pandemic at its highs, you would be worse off. So difficult, difficult one to manage, I think, in terms of that sense, because these guys are 
as we said, brown businesses trying to go green. And it's difficult to know quite where they're going to land with all of this. But they are involved with renewables energy solutions, as well as integrated gas, chemicals and products, and the delivery of energy upstream. So when you look at what Shell are trying to do around the journey to net zero emissions, so they're greener elements, certainly less brown. They're looking at carbon capture and storage over in Norway. They've acquired Volta Inc. in the US, looking at public electric vehicle charging points, looking at the recycling of waste. They've also got hold of a renewable natural gas producer, Nature Energy. They've also acquired some solar platforms as well as getting involved with an eco on offshore wind in the Netherlands. Australia, they're also expanding the renewable energy portfolio, producing ethanol from sugarcane in Brazil. So quite a few elements there that they are getting involved with and trying to look certainly like they are diversifying and supporting renewable technology. So I'll let you make your own mind up there in terms of Shell. But what we could say is really a bit like BP. Yes, there's been some fluctuations in the share price this year, but they haven't really gone anywhere. And if anything, they're slightly down on the year. But again, with oil prices depressed, it's not a major surprise that these guys are not flying high in terms of share price at the moment. So the next one we're going to look at is ExxonMobil. ExxonMobil Corp. Ticker on this is XOM. So if you thought 80 billion was big and the next one was even bigger, this is a $425 billion market cap company. So in 2022, they had revenue $413 billion and before tax profit was $77.7 billion. It's easier than when you say billion, I think. So again, single company, so the fees on this should be lower if you are, of course, paying fees at all for buying and selling your stocks. You get fee-free trading in the US now, don't you? And on a few platforms in the UK, but not much else. So what are Exxon up to? So they have essentially got involved with carbon capture and storage. So they have been expanding their activities there certainly in terms of the space that they're going to use for that. They've also been looking at their fleet for delivering LNG or liquid natural gas and reducing the CO2 intensity associated with that. They're installing advanced technologies there, and those are the key elements, at least what they've what they've been talking about in 2023. So ExxonMobil then not showing the same level of marketing and information around the transition. It's looking certainly from the information around this particular company that they are still very much focused on oil and gas with certainly their more recent focus on carbon capture and storage. So again, just for fun, certainly if you look at the performance since the beginning of the year, we're looking at essentially no change 
climb in the share price over two periods, very similar to BP and Shell. But what's slightly different here is you could argue that ExxonMobil Corp is slightly higher than it was in January, but it is marginal. And if I didn't mention the dividend, then the dividend is 3.44%, which again is in keeping with BP and Shell. And that dividend has, certainly over the last three years, increased marginally, I would say, for ExxonMobil. Previous to that, it was increasing pretty much every year, which is nice to see. So that was ExxonMobil Corp. Last but by no means least is Canadian Natural Resources. So ticker on that is CNQ. So CNQ, Canadian Natural Resources. Is a 79 billion Canadian dollar company. So that's in the region of 60 billion dollars US. So smaller than BP. So it's the smallest one we've looked at compared to these huge companies like Exxon, but pays about a 5% dividend at the moment. So that's been growing over time, that dividend. And so that dividend has increased significantly in 2022 and was rising all the time from about 2012 and they maintained that and increased it over the pandemic. So that's good to see because you don't really want to see massive variations. But certainly over the last three years, if you compare this to something like Exxon, who's increased their dividend ever so slightly, CNQ have had double-digit increases percentage-wise in their dividend. So if you're somebody that's looking around going, well, how on earth do I manage inflation if I'm on a fixed income or you're looking at income for retirement, then certainly since 2017, CNQ have consistently increased their dividends by double digit. And as I say, they've also increased it significantly for 20, in 2022. So that's good. Again, if you're in the UK or in other jurisdictions, you might well have withholding tax that you need to look at there. So you may not get all of that dividend, but it is a growing dividend and we like that very much. So when you look at the company itself, it is it's heavily involved with natural gas. And so when you look at what CNQ are up to, they've got significant reserves of light crude oil. They've also got the largest natural gas reserves in Canada. And yes, they are based in Canada, Canadian Natural Resources, for the giveaway, I guess. But I think, again, this is a jurisdiction play if you don't want to be looking at people like Shell and BP. It's certainly one thing that puts me off is investing in these guys is the constant talk of windfall taxes and those kind of things for the companies that are domiciled in the UK. don't think it's helpful, and I don't think that's the way to generate revenue when you're spending money like water as a government so just a personal view but i think when government starts to get involved with individual companies or sectors then i would run for the hills because all the be all bets are off and you don't know what's going on there so if you want to be looking at other oil companies us canada and obviously there are other oil companies available in other jurisdictions which i haven't gone into today but it gives you some sense that there's plenty of opportunity to look at these companies and look at the transitions that they're looking at. I think with Canadian Natural Resources, 
Today I'm looking at carbon capture and storage, a bit like Exxon was saying within their environmental information. But I think what's interesting about Canadian Natural Resources is they've got a path to net zero, which includes energy efficiency, other levers. They're quite a large chunk of those answers on a postcard what they what they will be. Carbon capture and storage, we've already talked about. They're talking about solvents, so the use of propane, electrification and fuel substitution. So they are thinking about this and they are looking at it. But obviously at the moment, this is very much a play on gas and the different types of oil, light and, and heavy. But that's Canadian natural resources. And so again, just for fun, we look at their share price since the beginning of the year. They're actually up just over 5%. That's in um, the US dollar version of Canadian natural resources. So that's bucking the trend of the others that we looked at. But again, slightly smaller and very specific play on oil and gas with the potential for them to get to net zero. But there's very little discussion around renewables compared to some of the others that we've looked at. And so there to summarise, we have looked at a couple of investment trusts there, one that could be of interest to the larger oil and gas companies, but there's also Berry BlackRock Energy and Resources Income Trust, which is a relatively diverse play on this market. And then we've looked at these oil companies, BP Shell, Exxon, and Canadian Natural Resources, just the few that we've picked today. There are lots of others out there you can go and look at. But I think in just of terms of performance this year, well, the winner out of those, as far as I can see, is CNQ. The share price is up on the year and it's increasing its dividend. And yes, OK, I think Shell just recently announced they were going to be increasing their dividend. But if you're a holder of theirs, they cut their dividends significantly and have been very slow to bring that back. But again, that's more of a personal opinion around that and i'm probably still kicking myself for not going with shell at eight pounds fifty as we said at the end of 2020 but hopefully that's been useful i think it's always good as part of a series to look at things that are not necessarily all environmental in terms of renewables because there are these other businesses and they do have some advantages in terms of size scale etc and i think that would be interesting to what it's going to be interesting to watch over the next little while as to whether these can survive the energy transition and actually have a meaningful contribution beyond the energy transition because the energy transition as we know is going to be expensive so i hope that's been a useful approach to take on the not so renewables and i'll put the links in the show notes and if you would be good enough to rate and review the podcast, that would be fantastic. And we'll see you next time. This programme has been presented for information and educational purposes only. 
None of the information or content of the programme is to be taken as an offer, opinion or recommendation by the programme's hosts or guests to buy or sell securities, nor is it intended to provide legal, tax, accounting, commercial or financial advice. Opinions and comments are based on information from sources believed to be reliable. All investing involves risk as prices go up or down based on a number of factors. Always consider consulting a financial professional before investing.